Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last week, we had a question and answer episode where you guys had the opportunity to send in some questions. Um, So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. So today on the podcast, we have Jenna Castro-Casbin, who is with us for a second episode, actually. If you guys have not checked it out, Jenna was on one of our first ever podcast episodes back in like, I don't know, July or August of last year. So make sure you guys check that on as well. But Jenna, thank you so much for coming back and talking to us. Oh, you're so welcome. I love being a guest on podcasts. I love talking to people and especially talking to SLPs about, you know, things like making money. Yeah, absolutely. And we're so excited to learn more from you, especially on this topic, because it's something I think that a lot of SLPs listening and even newer grad students or CFs can learn a lot from. Um, So before we dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background for those of our listeners that might not know who you are? Sure. So my name is Jenna Castro-Casbon and I have a company called The Independent Clinician where I teach quote unquote regular SLPs how to become successful private practitioners. I started my own private practice when I was like a year out from my C's, getting my C's way earlier than I thought I would do it or that anyone could do it. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, I'll tell, tell the rest of the story as y'all maybe ask you know, some questions or whatnot, but you know, I started my career as an adult SLP, transitioned to private practice, and now I own a company that teaches other people how to do that too. I don't think I knew that you transitioned to private practice so soon, a year out. That's amazing. Did you, was that difficult going into private practice so soon? I'm just curious. Yeah. Great question. So I started on the side of my job at the hospital Mm Okay. and I basically did that because, you know, I had some coworkers who they had their own private practices and they're like, Hey, Jenna, would you ever want to have a private practice? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but like later, like, right. you know, when I'm older, like you right. guys, um, <laughs> and they're like, well, no, like you should, you should do this like now. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, maybe. So they offered to teach me. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I got started. But yeah, I still kept it on the side of my hospital job for yeah. about like a year or so. But okay. yeah, it was a, it was great to get started and great to get started much earlier in my career than I thought possible. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That feels like a bold move to me because like a year out, I was like, "Mm, still trying to float. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, So I guess building off of that, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of diversifying your income? Cause really that's kind of what starting your own private practice on the side or as a side hustle comes down to. 
Totally. So if I could tell a story real quick about the person who was one of my early mentors, her name is Catherine. Mm -hmm. And when I was 26, I had just, you know, just got my C's. I was kind of, you know, new to this whole thing. And she, she had her, her own private practice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one day we were, I remember this distinctly, we're like on a walk and she's like, you know, telling me about her practice. And then she's like, you know, um, have you ever heard of multiple streams of income? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a kid. I have no idea. <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, you know, it's really important for women, especially to like have multiple sources of money and to not be dependent on one income source, either from their job or from a spouse or from someone else It puts you in a fairly vulnerable position if you have one income source. And I was like, oh, okay, like, mm -hmm. but, I, but you know, because yeah. at the time I just kind of thought, well, you know, I, you were like just again, hashtag or air quotes, like just an SLP. And I figured right. I'd, you know, contribute to my retirement account or whatever. Right. But basically what she did was, so she had her, her job at the hospital with me part time. Then she had her own part-time private practice where she saw private clients she also was a crazy person and taught spin classes. This was before oh Peloton was like a thing, right? Yeah. Yep. She taught 14 spin classes a week. Oh she was my. in amazing, amazing shape. I was going to say, she so also, she was very fit then. She was very fit. Um, and she did have like a following kind of like now these Peloton yeah. people mm. like have followings, right? Yeah. Um, she had an, uh, well in Boston, we call them two family, like a multifamily house, right? So she lived okay. on one side and she rented out um, the other side. Mm -hmm. And then she also, she was an AAC specialist and had some contracts with local school districts doing AAC evals wow. and whatnot. So, and then of course she had, you know, retirement accounts and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she was at the time, I should try to figure out how old she was at the time. She was probably like now my age now, right? She was probably mm -hmm. in her like around 40 to, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. 40, 45, something like that. Yeah. But so, and she was a single woman. And she was like, you know, it's really important to have these multiple income streams. And so I was like, you know, that's, I just had, again, I had never thought of that, right. but it made so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. Right. So then when I started thinking about this whole private practice thing and was able to, you know, when I first started, I think I charged $80 an hour because mm -hmm. I was really like, I really wanted to charge a hundred, but I was also like really scared, scared to say that mm -hmm. number. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll just say 80. Um, and I did. And people said, yeah, we'd like to okay. see you. And so it's like, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was really cool when I started making that extra side income through, mm -hmm. through my own private practice. Of course, I did have to pay taxes. You still have to pay taxes on this, everybody listening. Um, but you get to keep like most of the money, right? So it really is kind of like that whole cutting out the middleman. So I was able to see, you know, even part-time for my job or, you know, in the afternoons and on the weekends, about, I think I got up to 12 clients a week wow. doing it on the side. And so I like basically doubled my salary. Right. And it was, it was great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So having, having that extra income stream really, really helps. Yeah. And Rachel and I were even taught. So Rachel and I just finished our first year of private practice on the side. And we were pleasantly surprised that actually the taxes wasn't that bad. I was so sure it was going to be 
horrible. I was like I was, bracing myself. I know I was putting it off. I was like, okay, okay. It's all right. Just remember you have to do it. <laughs> especially when you factor it into your overall income. Cause that's what you look at with taxes. You look at all yeah. of your sources of income. Um, so it, it really didn't put me out like I thought it would. So I think that sometimes scares people starting their own businesses. You have to pay taxes on it and all of these other things, but there are also so many business organizations like Zen business. And I know that's what I use. I know there's a bunch of other ones though, that make it so easy for you. They just do it for you. And mm-hmm. that's what I like. Cause I, it's a lot of stuff to do. Um, but how, how do you kind of start that process? I guess I was giving a little snippet of that, but how, how do you recommend SLPs kind of starting that process or even finding out how to diversify their income? Yeah. Great question. So what I teach people to do is to, is to figure out what their financial goals are, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to have some sort of secondary source of income, I think it's good first to think about, well, what do you want that money to go toward? Like Mm -hmm. basically how much do you want to earn? And what do you want it to go toward, right? Because there's some people who just want like some extra cash kind of for fun, right? right? And sometimes those people like want to do it in another field, right? Like I know some SLPs, for example, who like do bartending on the weekends, Mm -hmm. right? Right? Mm -hmm. Make some extra money. They're social people. They probably missed the bar scene from college. I don't know. So like that's one thing, one thing to do, right? But I, I think it's really good just to sit down with like a blank piece of paper, a calculator, And maybe like your credit cards or whatever, and just say, okay, what do I want this money to go toward, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have like student loan debt that you'd like to pay off, right? And you need to know, you know, how much is that monthly, you know, uh, fee? And then how how much work would it take to cover that, right? Right. Or your mortgage, or if you want to go down from full-time to part-time, I think you got to start with the numbers and figure out, you know, what is that sum that you would like to achieve? And then what are some ways to get you to that, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do, uh, the reason why I'm so big on SLPs doing a private practice, even like part-time on the side is because you already have these skills, right? You already have these skills and you paid for it, right? You paid for your graduate school, you know, a lot of money. So you've, you've paid for the skills and you have the skills why not use them for something that you can earn more, right? You can earn more in a few hours a week, oftentimes than you do in whole weeks right. at work. So if you're trying to, because, you know, another income source that some people do, and I you say this online all the time, are those like kind of like MLMs, right? Rodan and Fields mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. And, and for the record, I'm not against those things, right? Sometimes I don't always like how people market them, but I think it's great, again, to have, other sources of income, whatever they may be, but you really have to think about what is the true income potential with mm-hmm. those things, right? Because I think sometimes people get into them and they think they're just going to like, I don't know, money's going to like fall from the sky up. or something yeah. like that, <laughs> right? But it takes a lot of work, right? So no matter what, you know, it takes work usually to, to you know, to make the money, but you got to figure out, you know, what, again, what start with your financial goals and then kind of make it like a game, right? Yeah. If your student loan payment is... I don't know, $500 a month. And let's say you do charge $100 an hour. Well, you would need to see about six clients a month. If we're going to talk about taxes and whatnot, if we're gonna, just going to go ahead and take that out, you would need to about, see about six clients a month right. in order to pay for that, right? And you could do that like one person a week, 
and then some person like twice a week or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to start with your income, what, like what you need, what is your financial goal? And then do a little bit of math to figure out what you would need to do to achieve that. Yeah, that's smart. Cause I don't know, Claire, I don't know about you, Claire, but I was just like, I'm going to start and here we go. And then a couple months into it, I was like, oh, so I should maybe plan it out a little yep. bit more. Yeah, me too. I kind of just hit the ground running yeah. um, with it, but also, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard sometimes. Cause you don't totally know what to expect too. Like I, I would yeah. say my, my plan for it was smaller than I anticipated, yeah. which I think is awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it, it grew into something bigger than I thought it would. So I think that's kind of a positive too, is make a goal, but then also it could be bigger than that, which is so cool. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause your goal could adjust, right. You, you exactly. can start with saying, look, I just want to cover my student loans. Right. Right. And for anyone listening who has student loans or credit card debt or anything like that, like I've also had lots of people say like, oh, I got to wait until I pay off my loans before I start a business. Mm -hmm. And to people who may be thinking that, I want you to maybe think about it in the opposite way and think maybe you start your business and that is how you pay off your loans a lot faster than you could, right? you know, other than, than waiting. But the whole idea of like reverse engineering this whole thing and making it almost like a game mm -hmm. is, you know, not to, to gender stereotype, but I'm going to gender stereotype has, is, is oftentimes how males think about business. I've been in so mm -hmm. many business programs with, you know, a mix of, of men and women and the, the men tend to say like, okay, how I want to make a million dollars a year. How do I do that? Right. Mm -hmm. They really tend to start with the, with the end goal yeah. and also tend to think about like, how can I build a business that I can sell? Like right. they're really thinking about the end, mm -hmm. right? Whereas women tend to think a little bit like, okay, well, how can I, you know, earn a few extra hundred dollars or whatever, which right. is totally fine, right? I'm, I'm a woman too. And that's how I started thinking about it. Yeah. But after I started meeting some more people who thought about it differently, mm -hmm. then I started to think about it differently. And so I'm offering those of you who are listening another way to think about private practice as really a, or, you know, or not just private practice, but diversifying your income anyway, mm -hmm. as a vehicle to meet your financial goals. I love that. Yeah. That's such a good point. And like Claire said, I feel like once you start, things can, um, tend to snowball, like word of mouth is crazy. Mm -hmm. Networking is crazy. Um, and it gets to the point, like it got to the point where I had to say, sorry, I can put you on a wait list, but I'm just not there yet. And I never thought that I would have mm -hmm. that. So that's crazy. So I guess building off of that, what do you think holds people back from starting? Because I know on our first episode, I personally talked about how I thought about it like a couple of years ago. And I was like, well, I can't do it because I'm planning a wedding. And now mm -hmm. I can't do it because you know, I'm like too early in my career and now I can't do it because I'm pregnant. So I know like those have been my reasons, but what do you think hold people back? Great question. So it is often those kind of things, right? The, just the timing isn't right, right? But the timing isn't right for lots of things, right? <laughs> Never so at some yeah. point, you kind of just have to decide, you know, to do it. But um, I have two things I want to say kind of about that. So one is that, you know, let's just use the example of kids, right? I, I have two kids, you know, uh, Rachel's about to have two kids. Um, you, for those people with kids or any number of other things, you can either let your kids be the excuse or the reason, mm -hmm. right? So if you're 
thinking about, you know, starting your own business to have more flexibility, to have more time, then you kind of got to start it and get it underway and, and have it start to build. And, you know, again, thinking about the end in mind, like if your goal is to have more flexibility and time with your children, then create a financial situation that is going to allow you to do that. Right. Right. So thinking, thinking about, um, that is really important. Then I had another thing that I was totally going to say, and I forgot, but I'll, I'm sure I'll remember it as we're going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's funny because when Rachel said that I'm thinking the last time we talked to you, Jenna, both of us hadn't really started. And now yeah. here we are like started, which Jenna, you've been a huge part of that, whether you yeah. know it or not. Um, but your influence has been a huge part of that. So I think it's, it's cool because we, the last time we talked to you, we hadn't, we hadn't really had a starting of our private practices. And now both of us are seeing clients, a lot of clients on the side. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's really, really easy to do, especially with your guidance. So I think that's awesome. And um, I want to say, ironically, all of those excuses that I gave Claire and I both started like in the middle of a pandemic, which I feel <laughs> like if you're going to have an excuse, it might be that and right. look where we are. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's totally right. People yeah. have flourished in private practice right now because mm -hmm. there are people who need services, right? There exactly. are people in every community who are stuck on wait lists, not getting mm -hmm. services. Yep. And if clinicians are willing and able to provide them, like this is like a great time. I did think of the other thing that holds people back. If, if I could share that real quick. Yeah. So a lot of times if we're talking, so there's like the, um, like the life excuses things, right? Which again, like, I mean, I have a life too. I have little kids. I totally, there's fitness, right? Have I prioritized fitness in my life? No, because I have kids. I'm too busy, blah, 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 right? So like, if you really want to do something, you'll, you know, make the time make for the it. Time. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like kind of deeper than that, like psychologically, I think that the main reason why SLPs don't start private practices is because of doubt that they don't think that they can do it, right? Mm -hmm. People, you know, listen to my podcast, the private practice success stories podcast, and they hear these people and they're like, wow, that's incredible. Like, but I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's this doubt. And a lot of times, you know, when people are, you know, thinking about joining my programs or not, they're like, I don't know. I got to talk to my husband. And it used to be that that would drive me nuts because as a feminist, I'd be like, come on, sister, like mm -hmm. make your own right. decisions. Right. But then I figured out that oftentimes the husband or the spouse that like sees this as a great opportunity, mm -hmm. both for their, their SLP, you know, partner to get out of a job that she doesn't really like, or that's, you know, burning her out or whatever, mm -hmm. but they also see some of the financial opportunities in this whole thing. So a lot of times it's the SLP who's holding herself back in terms of doubt, imposter syndrome, right. those kind of things. But other people, spouses, parents, et cetera, are like, come on, like you can totally do right. this. And that's great to have that support system behind you. And I think that's a great point. Like right. you, you don't know how the people in your life are going to react until you ask them. So mm -hmm. that can be something too, is like, I'm not sure how my husband will react or whoever. So just ask, yeah. just try it. Um, so Jenna, can you tell us a little bit more about how, diversifying your income and starting your own private practice and your whole business changed your life and kind of what that did for you and your family. Totally. Well, it's been quite a ride, right? So I started my private practice in 2007, I think it was. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then about a year after I was doing it, I had all of these friends who kept asking like, Jenna, what are you doing? Tell me, you're doing, you have a private <laughs> practice? Like, what are you doing? You got to tell me more. And so at, around that time, I was listening actually to podca- business podcasts. Podcasts, mm-hmm. podcasting was kind of new back then, yeah. but they had a couple of business podcasts talking about this idea of passive income. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So I decided to basically write an ebook about how to start a private practice. And so I, that's what I did around 2008 was I wrote, it was like a hundred page ebook wow. back when ebooks were also popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I sold it and people bought it. Lots of people bought it and it was cool. It was like my first, you know, kind of idea of this whole like passive income thing. Yeah. And, you know, at night I would basically like be, this is three kids. I'd be on the, I used to joke with people that like, I'd sit on the couch with my wife at night And like, she'd watch, you know, law and order or Mm -hmm. cooking shows or whatever. And I would make money on the internet, (laughs) right? This is like what, this was like the story I told people. Um, But so it was passive in that sometimes Mm -hmm. you make sales when you're not doing it, right? Right. When you're maybe at the grocery store or you're with your kids at the playground or that kind of thing. But there's a lot of work that goes into creating these, you know, digital products. So if anyone listening is like, oh my God, yes, passive income, that's what I want. I do just want to put a disclaimer. And one of my friends, um, Dr. Karen, really talks about how this is more like a leveraged income situation Mm -hmm. where you're still doing the work, but it may not be like trading dollars for time, right? right? But over time, you know, that that ebook that I used to sell, um, when ebooks were no longer popular really. And I kind of stopped like updating it. So I changed it into a full course. So a full, you know, video course, it's like 10 hours of video. Um, there are lots of checklists and, you know, templates and all kinds of other things. So it's, it's a lot more complete Mm -hmm. than that original, you know, ebook was we update it like all the time and also give support. So, and it, it is, you know, a lot more expensive also than, than the ebook was. Um, but it's really allowed my business to turn into like, not just me on the computer at night, you know, while Sarah's watching Law and Order, but like right. an actual company, like right. I have 10 people who work for me now and it's, it's that's a awesome. big business, mm-hmm. but we, we serve a lot of SLPs and that's, you know, part of what I love about it is, is having a business like this has allowed me to increase the impact, like how many SLPs am I able to serve? And then through them, they have all their clients and families right. that they're oh, able yeah. to serve, right? So I can have a much bigger impact mm-hmm. and then also income, right? It is, it is also allowed me to really, you know, increase the, the revenue that I could um, while making a difference in the lives of lots of people. So for, it's, so it's a total win-win. That's so Definitely. Cool. Claire and I can relate to the passive income, um, topic because we have we've created series of parent handouts and parent education materials and stuff and it's a lot of work in the beginning putting all of that Mm -hmm. together right it's nowhere near the scale of writing a book but it's a lot of work putting it together Yeah. yeah so then once you get it out there and 
uh, it's, you know, it's kind of nervous, a, a nervous feeling. And then it starts to roll in. And I remember one day I text Claire and I was like, oh my God, for whatever reason, we're doing really well today. <laughs> you just get the notification. So right. it's a lot of work up front. I will say that, but then, I mean, obviously there's a payoff. It just takes time. Yeah, totally. Definitely. And it's important to find something that, that there's a need for, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, I think that the, um, the biggest success stories are people who find either like a new niche or a new angle on something mm-hmm. or who fill a need. Right. Right. And there's lots of different kind of ways. I don't know if you want me to talk about, you know, there's like teachers pay teachers is a mm-hmm. great Avenue for yep. people. Right. So if you already have materials that you have made that yes. work for you, mm-hmm. like why not throw them up on teachers pay teachers and see if other people want to buy them. Right. There's a right. lot of SLPs who are doing really well on there, right? Mm-hmm. They have a lot of products mm-hmm. and they do really well. The difference with Teachers Pay Teachers versus say what I do is it's a volume thing, mm-hmm. right? Where if you you know sell a lot of dollar, $5 like products, you have to sell a high volume of those, right? Yeah. right. Whereas something like my company that has a more expensive product, I don't have to sell quite as many to still generate a good amount of money, right? So right. it it's just a different model, right? Mm-hmm. They both both models can work really, really well, but you just have to figure out what model you know works best for you. But one of the people who's who's a mentor for my Start Your Private Practice program, she like put some stuff on Teachers Pay Teachers years ago. I don't even think she's touched it. And I think she makes like five or six hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. on stuff that she made and put up there years ago she calls it mailbox money which i which i love it when she calls it mailbox money but it's great comes in handy and she can earmark that for something right that could go every month to you know her car payment right Right. or or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah it's so true too because claire and i use teachers pay teachers as a platform for our handouts and stuff and you'll just randomly get emails like congratulations you sold whatever and you're like oh that's great oh, I almost forgot about it for a second <laughs> that it was even there yeah. that's sometimes what I think I I'm on boom cards too so I've made oh, some yeah. boom mm-hmm. cards that I honestly didn't really think would go anywhere and I'll I'll get a random ping now and then that like I a couple sold and I actually had an income that month and I'm yeah. like wow that's a nice little <laughs> even if it's not a lot and I think that's that's a thing too like it doesn't have to be something, it could be something that you put your heart and soul into, but it doesn't have to be. It could be something that you're already creating for your clients that you now put on whatever you put on, um, boom cards, teachers, pay teachers, whatever it is. Um, and then you make something off of it, which why wouldn't you do that? I think it's great. Definitely. So Jenna, what tips would you have for those that are just starting off and they're doubting themselves, they're maybe feeling the heat of imposter syndrome or whatever it may be. Yeah, great question. So I would remind people, let me be like your friend, big sister, somebody. Like, put, let me put my arm around you and just remind you that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're smart, you have a master's degree, you have been hired by someone mm-hmm. to work at the school, the hospital, the early intervention, wherever it is that you work. And most people don't feel the imposter syndrome so much in their like regular setting, mm-hmm. but when they start to step out into something new, 
Like that's when it starts. And so that's really where you have to kind of remind yourself that usually something like imposter syndrome is actually like a good reminder that like you're on the brink of something awesome, Mm -hmm. right? right? That you are stepping out of your comfort zone because you know, your comfort zone is like so limited, right? There's only so much that you can do in your comfort zone. If you want to grow in terms of like yourself, in terms of, you know, financials, in terms of anything, like you have to be willing to, to try it and see if it could work. You know, um, this is going to sound crazy to some people listening, I'm sure. But I remember like, you know, 2020 was obviously like a garbage year, right? <laughs> and like 2021 is better, but you know, still a little garbage. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I literally remember like someone was posting, you know, memes or whatever. And it was like, you know, what are you going to leave behind in 2020? Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, you know, coronavirus, whatever, right? <laughs> but it's like, so I really was like, I'm going to leave behind imposter syndrome. I'm going to, awesome. I'm going to leave it behind. I'm going to mm-hmm. decide that I don't have that anymore. And that that's not going to impact me because even I have imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that totally worked. I swear to God, it worked. That's Making amazing. a decision that you are not going to be limited by something is something you have control over, right? You can, mm-hmm. you can control your belief to say, you know what, that is not going to limit me any longer. And I have to tell you, it hasn't. So if you are you're struggling with imposter syndrome, make a decision that that is something that's not going to hold you back. Because when you let things hold you back, you aren't helping others. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do as speech therapists, right? We are all helping people, people who want to help others. So if you let fear of judgment, which is really what imposter syndrome is, mm-hmm. hold you back, then you're not going to be able to help people. Right. So my kind advice is to decide that you do know what you're doing, that you are smart enough, that you're good enough, and to just go out there and do it. Because otherwise, if you hold yourself back, you're also holding back other people who might not get the benefit of being able to work with you or know you. Right. Absolutely. And I think this comes from you, Jenna is like the, why not you, right? Why, why can't it be you? Mm -hmm. And I think that really has stuck with me even for the last year when I think like, oh, I really want to make something that is this, this, and this, or I, Rachel and I talk about an idea we have, and we're like, it'd be really cool if we could do this. And we even say to each other, well, why not? Like, why not? us. Why don't we talk about that? Or why don't we reach out to that person? So you just have to do it. And you just kind of have to, like you said, step out of your comfort zone. So I think that's really, really good advice. Um, Jenna, this is, this is kind of what we have for you, which is crazy. It went by so quick, but where can our, where can our listeners find you and your program and, um, all of the things that you offer? Awesome. Well, because you're podcast listeners, because you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. um, go on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you do, and um, type in private practice success stories. That's where you can hear me interview private practitioners at all levels of private practice, you know, from people just getting started in their first year to people who've been doing this for, you know, 25 years. I've got people who specialize in different things like, you know, hippotherapy or dyslexia, AC, whatever. I've got private pay people, insurance, people, whatever, whoever you want to. So private yeah. practice success stories is a great place to learn more. 
And the other thing, if you're people like freebies, I don't know if you're people like freebies or not. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah everyone <laughs> likes freebies. So I, I do have a free private practice roadmap that I would love to offer everybody. So for that, you can go to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash freebie, and you will get the private practice roadmap. And because people are listening to this might be interested in passive income, watch what happens when you, when you sign up for that, right? When you go mm -hmm. to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash freebie, you're going to get this roadmap for how to start a private practice. And then you're going to get some emails inviting you to a free webinar, which is where I talk about, you know, the road to private practice, but I also talk about my program. So for those of you who might be interested in, you know, passive income and seeing kind of behind the scenes of how this works, sign up for the freebie and then watch what happens with the emails to, you know, see if you're interested in basically upgrading to the program, right? That's a little behind the scenes about how my business works. And you won't regret that. Rachel and I both Not have experience yes. with <laughs> Jenna's programs and freebies and all of that. So we appreciate you and your knowledge truly. And I love what you said about helping so many people because you truly have. I mean, think about all the people that have started private practices that maybe never would. And then all of the clients they've seen. I think that's amazing. So mm -hmm. kudos to you. That's so cool to think about. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. I hope that this is not the last time we'll see you. Hopefully we can see you again in a year or so, however long it is, maybe not that long, but, um, we appreciate you talking to us again. Thank you so much. Of course you're welcome. Thank you for being, or thank you for being here. Thank you for having me <laughs> and, and thank you listeners. Thank you for listening. Um, another place you can find me is on Instagram. I'm at independent yep. clinicians. Send me a DM, say you heard the episode and, uh, and let's chat. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. And you can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Rachel and I also have an email for the podcast that you can email us with suggestions, or if you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, that's let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.